Welcome into Texans All Access on a Tuesday. Just wrapped up an hour with Blake Cashman, Cash Money Records, as Jalen Petrie calls him, and Indy Clue. And now I'm joined with Mark Vandermeer and Drew Doherty. Hello, guys. Welcome in. Hello. It is week six, and next week is a buy, and there's a lot going on. You have a chance to hit the buy at three and oh, three. Oh, that sounds nice. Which First, got to go through the New Orleans Saints. They might mm. have something to say about it. Ugh. And, uh, you know, we, we still we're in the midst of this NFC South battle, so I know lots to get to to with the Atlanta Falcons, lots to get to within the AFC South. A lot of moving and shaking happening. Mm-hmm. But first of all, let's kick it off with just Atlanta, first of all, okay. because we saw some good things, close loss, and I know there's no moral victories, as Drew always likes to point out, but I want to get your guys' thoughts on what you liked from Atlanta because you saw some little bit healthier uh, player, uh, more a healthy O-line, I should say, and a few things that you want to improve for week six, so... Mark is doing puppet animals at me. A new segment on In the Lab, and it's going to be, what if I told you? And we're going to use that voice from uh, 30 for 30, Mm -hmm. and we're going to basically go, if the Texans win, we're going to point out all the bad stuff that happened, and they won anyway. But when the Texans lose, we're going to point out all the good stuff. So what if I told you that the Texans allowed zero sacks again? Mm. They won the turnover battle two to zero. Mm -hmm. They helped B. John Robinson to less than 100 yards they had a halftime lead they had the lead at the 149 mark what would i what, what would you say if if i told you all those things win automatic win no question yeah. about be ecstatic. it let me add to it you hold the entire team under 100 yards for the falcons yeah. not just robinson yeah. algiers a good back they hold the entire running production below a hundy and the entire yards per carry for the falcons below three you tell me that, plus you win the turnover battle 2-0 and Stroud doesn't turn it over? Nobody turns it over? Are you kidding? Obviously, if you had zero turnovers, that would be the case, but I expanded on that. I would think it's a victory, but it wasn't, and such is life in the NFL. It's not always what you think it's going to be. Clearly, it wasn't. It didn't work out, but you got to learn from it. Yeah, and you know, we, we mentioned the O-line getting healthier. You've got Larry Tunsil, Titus Howard back. I think there were high expectations for this game just with those two being back. But you did did some good things, like you mentioned. No sacks for the third straight week, no turnovers, no interceptions. It's funny because after the game at Atlanta, uh, C.J. Stroud was asked about it. He's the only quarterback in the Super Bowl era with five great games to start his career and no interceptions. But, you know, he's so humble about it. He said, well, a few of them really should have been picked off. I just sort of got lucky. The guys dropped it. Um, I've got to be better with the football. Like he's still, I, I think that we make a big deal of his stat, but he sees the near interceptions yeah. on all those plays. Because he knows that they're not perfect throws, that they're throws he needs to make better, or they need to get on the same page. Whatever the case may be, those passing plays need to connect. Uh, that didn't connect against the Falcons. Third downs need to be a whole lot better. Look, they were good at the end of the game. I mean, that touchdown pass was on a third down and eight. And he's come up with some clutch third downs late in games. And, guys, I think that my biggest takeaway of this game, other than it's too bad they didn't win, was C.J. Stroud. When they needed a touchdown, they got it. They're down six. They've got to do it now or never. And they do it. They get it to the end zone. You get the lead. Now, they didn't hang on to the lead. But that is still such an encouraging thing that your quarterback was able to get you that money touchdown when you needed it most. Now you got to get better in all other phases and make sure that you can close out games like that. But I loved seeing that in week five from your rookie quarterback. Let's go. Yeah, I saw a couple. Go ahead, Drew. 
I was going to say around the three minute mark, I'm there in that end zone with Tyler Sutarth, the Emmy award winning Tyler Sutarth, who was shooting all this great content. And I turned to him and I said, about the three minute mark, I say, dude, he might screw around and just burn this whole clock out and score a touchdown late enough to like make it not possible for them to win. Now, I don't think I jinxed it because they, they still weren't in mm. you know, the red zone or anything yet, but it was really, really impressive. I mean, he was just methodically chewing up chunks of yardage, getting the offense down the field. And it looked like he was, you know, he was going to make that happen there. You never know. Cause it's third and eight and it's at the 18 and then boom, just drops it in the bucket right there to Dalton Schultz, who that's another great story from this game really erupts, has mm-hmm. a great contest. And I think we're going to see a lot of that different guys stepping up each week because this offense, one thing will get taken away. You know, it's a quieter day for Nico Collins. So, Here's Dalton Schultz rising up. Quieter day because Tank Dell goes down. Blah, 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 blah. So I think we're going to see a lot of that as the weeks progress. I just really like the body language of Stroud. I know there were a couple, there were so many opportunities to score early on in the game, but there was one moment in particular where him and Tank Dell were not on the same page. Talked to him after the play. There was another play where a receiver, you know, missed a catch. I can't remember who it was. Uh, but, you know, he just always kept his composure. Uh, even keel and i think you know of course he's not going to erupt as a a, you know in in a game like that that's so close but i I just feel like the composure that we've heard other players talking about we've Mm -hmm. seen it both in the wins and the losses he really is pretty calm cool and collected uh doesn't let the moment get too big and he's not really overwhelmed by the fact that okay it's a game winning drive like i gotta be able to go down and score he just sort of methodically does it i think it also says a lot about bobby slowick because um cj talked about in the first half, how, you know, there were a lot of looks they hadn't seen before. And so mm. they were getting them. They were in a lot of third and long situations, something yeah. that we have not seen in recent weeks. And they made some adjustments in the second half and they were starting to find some success. And so I felt like his ability to adapt also, we really saw that in this game. And I think they have to adapt game to game because I think as teams get more tape on him and them and what they're doing, obviously they try to respond. And we talked to Nick Casario about this. You'll hear that conversation tomorrow. It's going to be up on YouTube. Uh, soon if not already and you're looking at other teams dealing with cj stroud and they're going to deal with him in a variety of ways and they've got to be ready for it to your point dp now they didn't do well enough throughout the course of the game i mean 19 points they'll be the first to tell you that's not going to be enough on the road in many instances maybe it would be if the defense you know made a play or two here or there but you got two takeaways and you were still unable to get over the 20 point mark and you didn't turn it over yourself so they need to be better in getting the ball into the end zone. One of those field goal drives, had it been a touchdown, you're looking at a potentially completely different situation at the end of the game. So remember that, and I know they will. The one thing I don't worry about is C.J. Stroud and Bobby Sloak and the entire offense learning from whatever occurred. And maybe they get new stuff this week they have to deal with against the New Orleans Saints. They're going to have to learn from that. I don't know if they win or lose this Sunday, obviously. But I have faith that they'll get better. I know we have the right people here. D'Amico Ryans, Bobby Sloak, etc. The entire staff, Frank Ross. You've got a quarterback. It's a journey. And it's not going to go as smoothly as we would all hope. It never does in the National Football League. I thought last week, one of the things that made it really disappointing to lose this one, not just that it was gettable, but that you had expectations. And it wasn't just Titus and Laramie coming back. It was, 
hey, you just demolished the last two opponents, basically. So why not demolish this one, too? Isn't it that easy? I don't think like that, and I don't think you guys think like that. I think a lot of people just felt like it was going to be not easier, but a little more doable than it was. And I think it was doable. They just got a great effort from Atlanta, a team that was desperate for victory, having lost two in a row, back at home now, had to have it, and they got it. I think that your expectations yeah. are also a little bit higher, too, right? I think you didn't really know what to expect. And after that Steelers game, yeah, sure. you think they can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with anybody in this league. So I think the expectation was returning. I think for the last few years, we've sort of not really had a hot, lot of high expectations. There's not been a lot of hope surrounding this team just because of the rebuild. And, you know, you, you don't really know what you have at the quarterback position. Now you feel like after what you were able to put forth in that game against the Steelers – a powerhouse that was supposed to come in here and just dominate this game and did not. You go to Atlanta and you think, okay, this is winnable. This this team, like you said, two two losses in a row. They're looking to turn things around. And you know, their quarterback versus Stroud. Last yeah. week they were talking about benching him, benching Desmond Ritter. Yeah. So he had to come back and have the, have the game that he had. Yeah, I mean, I thought the Texans were going to win that game going in simply because they have the better quarterback. Now Desmond Ritter played terrifically. And he was the better quarterback ultimately on Sunday because his team won. But, you know, I'm going to take C.J. Stroud over Desmond Ritter over the long term and this week as well. But that and I still can't get over the fact that they chose not to take a bye after their London trip. They got away mm. with it this time. But I really thought those two big factors, Texans are going to win this thing. And that's yeah. that's why I was very, very optimistic about what we saw. I'd love to play it again because I think if you play a series with this team, if it was, say, baseball or the NBA or yeah. something like that, yeah. you play a best of seven, you're going to win. You're going to win the series. But you didn't win on Sunday. They got the better of you. And now you got to move on to New Orleans. And the Saints are looking really good right now after blowing out the Patriots. I know we'll get into that. But, again, some things that you can sort of hang your hat on and say, that was good. C.J. Stroud getting the touchdown at the moment of truth. Really good. And they've got plenty to work on here. You know, it was a big blow to me, Shaq Griffin, because he had the calf injury on Thursday. Then on Friday, we saw him out there. Mm. I think he was limited, but then he comes up as out of the game against Atlanta. And Kadar Holman, you're dealing with the third level of the depth chart right there. And, you know, he's giving it his all. Uh, but they were throwing to the left side, too. Stephen Nelson had great coverage on Drake London on that deep pass that got them, I think, the next-to-last field goal. They scored on their last three possessions, touchdown and a two, then field goal, field goal, to close out the game. I know the defense is sick about that. The coaching staff is sick about that. They're going to try to prevent that next time, obviously. I feel like after that second touchdown drive, they really tightened up, and then the defense kept this offense in the game. But you're right. Like, yeah. then they start out the second half. I mean, if you go back and you look at yeah. the drive chart after the touchdown, it was punt, 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 end of half, and then two straight fumbles to start the second half before they scored another touchdown. But, yeah, you're right. The last three drives of the game, you let them score. Uh, game, you know, slips out of your hands. But one thing that I want – to get your guys' opinion on. I feel like the run game, we had talked about how it was getting closer and closer every single week. It's mm. still not where it needs to be, but I nope. felt like on that touchdown drive, uh, we saw some good things out of Damian Pierce, and he was running yeah. hard. Yeah, you did, you did, but they have yet to put it all together, right? Against Pittsburgh, he had, what, 80-plus yards. That was nice. Uh, he had some pops against Atlanta, 60 yards-ish. And he's just, it's not him. I don't want to say No, he. the run, let's it's call it the run, run game. game. Yes, yeah, it, it's all of it together, scheme. There's an early, the third and one early 
where they settled for the field goal instead of going for it on fourth and run. I think a lot of fourth and one. I think a lot of that was because, hey, you didn't make it on third and one. We're not going for it on fourth and one. We're going to take the points right here. Andre and Johnny were all about, hey, go ahead, kick the field goal. Mm-hmm. For once, I was the one saying, yeah, maybe you want to go for it on fourth down here. But I think what that was was if you can't make it on third and one, we're going to go ahead and kick a field goal right here, make sure we get something out of this drive and take it from there. It almost all worked out, and I'm not saying that was determining the game on the opening drive of the game for the Texans, but – That was notable to me because I look at that play and it's a front side, you know, one of those zone running scheme runs and uh, Pierce cuts it back and the defensive end is right over there to to make a play on the ball. I'm thinking you should have booted that. Look, it's easy to look at these plays in retrospect and think about what could have worked. The point is this. They're going to keep smashing, trying, doing what they can to run the ball. I believe they will be able to do it. This is an offense that requires a lot of work and repetition in order to make it work. And the Gary Kubiak running attack didn't really get going until the second year. And I'm not saying that I want to wait till next year to see that running game going. But the second year in the system, they started to make some headway running the football. That's when you felt like, hey, Ron Dane, you can run the football with him. You can run the football with Sam Congato. You can run the football with Darius Walker out of Notre Dame. They were doing all that in 2007. 2008, they got Steve Slayton. Well before Arian ever got here, the Kubiak system was yielding big yards on the ground. I think this offense will get there, but they need continuity and health on the line, and they got to stick with it. You need the reps to stick with it. You're going to hang in there till then. At least you have the quarterback. So let's see what happens. No doubt. I mean, and you bring up DP that last drive by Damian Pierce. I mean, he was basically the only guy who touched the ball other than Dalton Schultz and one or two other snaps on that drive. He had like 46, 50 yards from scrimmage. He had a 13 yard run. He had a 16 yard reception, which I still don't know if we've seen enough of him catching the ball because I think he can really be a force Mm. and a weapon in that game. But he kind of got going on that last drive. There was one play where he was stopped for a loss, but he was getting positive chunks of yardage the whole entire possession. And, you know, I talked with Titus Howard afterwards in the locker room, and they think that proverbial dam is about to break, and they're about to start having some of those successes with the run game. And you also got to keep in mind, they've been able to throw it so well so early in this, and teams are stacking that box, testing the rookie quarterback. So maybe they adjust here the second chunk of the season. We're approaching the bye, post-bye. We might see some different things from both the offense and from opposing defenses, the way things shake out. Well, we'll see. I, yeah, I'm eager to see what they come out of the bye with. I think the bye kind of gets overstated as to what you can do. The coaches can do some things, but it's not like, hey, we'll be practicing all week. You know what happens here. They're going to work out Tuesday next week, something like that. Maybe Wednesday. Maybe they're gone by Wednesday, and we'll see you Monday. I think the biggest thing is the Monday practice when you get back from the bye. You didn't play that Sunday, so Monday you can practice. Everybody's back, and you can put some stuff in then, depending on what the coaches decide to do. Then you get the mandatory Tuesday off, and you're back into game week, getting ready for Carolina. So we'll talk about that next week. I do think some things can be done, but I'm not so sure about Look, they don't need to make wholesale changes. I think we all agree. They just need to do what they do better, and we'll see how they handle it.
All right, so the Saints. So no, coming up, we've got the Saints, then the bye, then at Carolina, then home versus Tampa Bay, and that'll mm-hmm. be a wrap for the NFC South. All right, let's turn our attention to the New Orleans Saints. Mark likes his opponents fat and happy. Oh, yeah. And Stuffed. boy, the Saints are fat and happy. And I think, Mark, are you doubly fat and happy because of the win that they are coming off so of? So fat and so happy. Now, <laughs> if they're a smart. A total blowout of the Patriots. Yeah. Their worst home loss in history. I mean, it's just astounding what is happening in New England. And a lot of talk about the Patriots, of course, for good reason, because it's just so compelling what is going on with that franchise that is a Super Bowl prolific winner that has been so used to playoff success. And here they are in the post-Brady era, one playoff appearance and a lot of losing, a lot of losing. And it blows my mind that Mac Jones, who looked pretty good as a rookie with Josh McDaniels coaching the offense, since then, not so much. Remember, Bailey Zappi played a chunk last year. Bailey Zappi's relieved him the last two games because it's been out of control. It's been out of hand. So they pull Mac Jones from these games. The Mac Which Jones. That is so rare. That is so rare. Yeah. That a backup quarterback comes in and plays if, yeah. if, if, there's, if somebody's not injured. I mean, that is rare. Think about right. how many blowouts the Texans had in 2011. When Schaub was still healthy, yeah. Schaub keeps, he stays in the game. They right. don't take quarterbacks. It's not like college. That's so rare. Two straight games with that. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I, I wonder if they're going to make the change. I mean, it doesn't seem like they want to. I think they just realize, okay, the game's out of hand. Let's just not let, I, I, I look at it more like they're giving Mac Jones some rest and they don't want to get him injured. And that's why they're taking him out because they've lost, they've lost a 30 plus point. But he's deficits. totally ineffective. Now, think about this with Bailey Zappi. He's their guy because they drafted him last year. And he looked decent last year until he didn't. And Mac Jones came back and they didn't have the kind of season they needed to have. But, but look at Bailey Zappi. We saw him in the preseason. They cut him and then they brought him back. So that's what they thought of Bailey Zappi. I think that Mac Jones has been horribly ineffective. Look, we all know about this offense and I just, I'll stand by this. I think that. It's great to have autonomy as a quarterback, but for some reason, this offense has not produced high-ranking finishes with anybody else other than the greatest quarterback who ever lived. Even with Deshaun Watson, the Texans were not a top-10 offense in this league. Hard to believe, but true. They just won games. They found a way to win games. O'Brien's a winner. O'Brien can win games. But with the offensive coaching, I just don't see it happening with Mac Jones. And maybe they just need another quarterback. Maybe they need different personnel. Maybe they need a complete overhaul. I'm just curious to see what happens with Bill Belichick. Does he hang around? Is he able to hang around long enough to break Don Shula's all-time coaching wins record? Or is this it for Coach Bill Belichick this year or sooner? I've got a juicy little nugget for you, Mark. Do it. Andrew, that you guys might like. Okay, so we know the Patriots are coming off back-to-back blowout losses. So the week before, they lost to the Cowboys Mm 38-3. So they, like most other teams in the league, they have Tuesday off. Yeah. But uh, this is according to Mike Reese of ESPN. He said, okay, normally they, they normally have Tuesday off, but this week they had Monday off, and the players are actually in today. Uh, because this week, Bill Belichick made Monday the day off, presumably, quote, so that he could get things in order with his coaching staff on how the team proceeds from here after back-to-back blowouts. That's so interesting. The players are back in the building Tuesday as the team attempts to put the pieces back together, end quote. 
All right, you want to know what I make of this? What uh, Translate this for me. All right, well, this is pretty easy because Lovey Smith did this last year. Every Monday was the player's day off. We all remember this because doing what we do, that affected things greatly, right? You didn't have that Tuesday day off that we were used to from the beginning of time in this league. The coaches are allowed to make Monday be the mandatory league-wide day off, NFLPA negotiated. I think it stinks for the players because – a lot of them are coming in Monday anyway just to rehab, regen, re-whatever after the game. And then, wait, we're back at it Tuesday. Now, they don't full practice Tuesday, but they meet, greet, talk about the game plan, do all that stuff on a Tuesday. Lovey liked Mondays off for a couple of reasons. He liked to meet with his coaches. He wanted the players mm. out of the way, didn't want to have to deal with the players on Monday. Let's deal with ourselves, game plan, get all that stuff done. Then on Tuesday, we'll present with them the game plan, get everything going that way. Won't have a full practice, but we'll have them in the building, get rid of them, and then go normal Wednesday on. So I think that's what Bill Belichick is doing. He definitely did it to meet with his coaches on Monday and go over whatever they want to change. And who knows what that means with Bill O'Brien because I saw some of the sideline interaction, and you, I don't want to read too much into that. Obviously, there's great frustration and people – you know. Gesturing with their arms. Was there and, throwing or yelling? There was no throwing. It wasn't, lips? it wasn't like Brian Dable and Daniel Jones with throwing of <laughs> the tablet or anything like that. But clearly, Bill O'Brien and Mac Jones were not having a good time on the sideline. And at one I point, assume not. Belichick no. walks over to O'Brien and he just gives him a look. O'Brien does like, all right, here we go. You know, he, we got to talk about this or just something like. I mean, it it was not disrespectful, but look, they're dealing with a lot of stuff here. They, the surprising thing to me was not that they lost to the Saints, that they got blown out by the Saints after getting blown out by Dallas. How often do you see that in this league? Only to teams that are really undermanned, undernourished, under, because it happened to the Texans in 2021. You know, had, what, four or five blowouts in that whole season and sometimes back-to-back. That doesn't happen in this league unless you just can't deal with it personnel-wise. You're just really undermanned. Well, you know, we had the the two really bad blowouts within a month of each other. Was that 2015, 2016? Oh, oh with O'Brien? Miami, yeah. Miami and Atlanta. But yeah. never back-to-back like that. Yeah, that wasn't back. Yeah, and those were weird blowouts because you had Brian Cushing on that team. You had J.J. Watt on that team. You had some good players on right. that team, right? Watt didn't get hurt Arian in 2015. Foster, Arian Foster Arian was still Foster on the team. Arian Foster actually came back, I want to say, for the Atlanta game, which was even more surprising that they were blown out. He was, yeah, he was available or for him Atlanta. Or Dwayne Brown. There was some, he there got was some hurt. big return. That he was, got hurt in Miami. He got hurt in Miami. Yeah, yeah. He, he was in both He got games. hurt he in got, Miami, yes. Yeah. But I remember the look on Cushing's face during one of those Lamar Miller runs uh, in that Miami game in 2015. But I compare it more to the blowout suffered in 2021 with Colts, Cardinals, don't get me started. Bills. Buffalo in the rain up there. You know, <laughs> it wasn't raining in New England, this. but you Bears. know what? <laughs> but I, but you, okay. So you bring up the the Monday players. You didn't get blown up by the Bears in 2021, did you? It's 20. It all ran. That whole that oh, it all is just one big. That was COVID. Misery has been crushed <laughs> together for me. So. <laughs> Mark just blamed COVID. <laughs> that Bears game was all because that of COVID. Doesn't matter. It was COVID. I I, th- I don't know. I I, I read it. I, maybe this is the cynical side of me. I thought, well, is he going to make some changes, like major changes, and that's why he needed the extra day. It I'm bringing sound back like- Matt Patricia to coach the <laughs> offense, a guy who can get it done. If you were on Twitter two weeks ago, people were uh, Matt Patricia was trending, so I had to no. click on it. People were like, oh, well, you know, the offense was actually running better under Matt Patricia, and I thought these cannot be real. These cannot be these guys. Well, maybe it was. Maybe it was. <laughs> but I, now people think that it's Matt Jones's fault. 
I think it's a little under, bit of everything. And it's like, I don't think that it, it I think you're right. I don't think it's, I think it's very gray. Like, yeah, what could it's be a going little on? bit of everything. It's fascinating, though. I'm so fascinated by this. I think the world, though, loves seeing this happen to the Patriots because of the Patriot way and the arrogance and all of that. But look, they want so much. You're going to come across as arrogant whether you I are can't. or not. At some point, if the 49ers keep doing this, and look, they've got to prove it. they got to finish, right? But if they keep doing this, we're going to get so sick of them and we'll say things about them. But right now, they're still sort of league darlings because the Brock Purdy story is still so nice because he's Mr. Irrelevant from last year and they haven't won a Super Bowl with this current group. They've gone to the Super Bowl with the Jimmy Garoppolo group a few years ago, but they're trying to get there with this group. All right, let's take a break. Uh, Derek Carr had some interesting words after the big win over the Patriots, and then we'll get into some Saints stuff, and then we're going to go around the AFC South because lots of juicy tidbits around the AFC South. That's all coming up on Texans All Access. Welcome back. Texans All Access rolls on. I was uh, going to get to a quote about Derek Carr, and then I thought, Mark, I have a question for you. Are you ever worried that you're going to say David Carr by accident when we play Derek Carr? You know, I'm not worried about that. I don't think I will. I think Derek is his own man. It's been a long time since David. Since you've had to say David Carr. Yeah, it's been a long time. I'd love David Carr to come around for something like a Legends Weekend. That would have been awesome to have him here. I think the fans would be okay with David Carr being here. They'd be fine with it. He would, but he might be like a Giants legend. He has got a Super Bowl ring with the Giants. Super Bowl ring is a backup quarterback. There's a difference. One more ring than he has here as a backup or a starter. How about this? And, And quick aside here. The Atlanta Falcons have three former Texans quarterbacks on their coaching staff. And I mentioned this during the broadcast because oh, Dave yeah. Ragone coaches the offense. TJ Yates is receivers coach. And Matt Schaub is a football analyst for the football ops side. He's on the list of assistant coaches. Oh, yeah. It's very wild. cool. That's, pretty That's crazy. OK, so Matt Schaub, he's like in scouting. Is so he, I don't know what he, he do? does. He's a football analyst, DP. That, that, you know what that means? That anything, anything you want. I mean, John Harris is a football analyst for us, but not for the football yeah, he's not doing. He's not doing he's radio and sideline and breaking down. Well, Shab, I know, had done, or I think he did a couple of college games last year or something. And, yeah, I think broadcasting was part of his target range. I'm pretty, and I'm pretty sure he did some like sports talk radio filling in from time to time there in Atlanta really? as well. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Has anybody caught four or five years? Has anybody caught Brock Osweiler doing a college game for ESPN? Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. He's not I too have. bad. He's not bad. The Brock sure. And you know, Brock, <laughs> it's funny because you have to sort of You're like shaking his remove <laughs> your Brockness, your Brock glasses from listening to Brock. Brock's trying hard, man. He's got good delivery. I'll give him that. He always was a good storyteller. I mean, he was always a good talker. Well, but every interception every tells Every interception a story. had its story. We had some great one-liners, but it just it sort of started to wear thin yeah. after all the interceptions. It, it, it did wear a little thin. But guess what? Brock Osweiler, best all-time winning percentage against the Indianapolis Colts of all Texans quarterbacks. <laughs> Two and up. That we okay? do not Two and need. Up. Brock Osweiler, <laughs> winning season, AFC South championship season, happened to have the... Number one defense in the NFL yeah, on his like, side, but still. The defense would like a word with you, Mark Vandermeer. Yeah, that was the uh, best defense in the entire NFL. Uh, all right, before the break, I teased Derek Carr had some words about the game. This is so funny to me, and I don't think he meant to be funny. But he was asked about going against the Patriots, and of course, Texans are facing Derek Carr and the Saints on Sunday. And he said, I'm tired. It is mentally taxing. 
It was mentally taxing for him to play that game against the Patriots. He said they do a great job with personnel groupings, putting sub defense, playing base fronts. You got to get everybody on the same page. So we're blocking the right guys. But mentally it was taxing. I thought that was kind of funny considering how they won. Really? He Derek. was exhausted <laughs> mentally. Really? So I mean, how was like from all the points? Wait, how did he feel the week before when they <laughs> lost to the Buccaneers 26 to nine? How, how about the, the the Cowboys blowing out the Patriots and then getting blown out? What's with these teams? I mean, what's with these teams that blow out another team and then get blown out themselves? I'm going to tell you what it is. There are about five good teams, really good teams. And then there's a whole mishmash of teams. And then there's about four really bad teams. That's how I look at this. And even the really bad teams can rise up at any and they time can be close. and stun you. But that whole group in the middle, I don't know how many teams it is, 25 teams, something like that, 22, 20, whatever the number is, where everybody's kind of the same. Some teams might have a better this than a better that or worse this or worse that. But everybody can beat everybody. And this is my feeling. When we were done with the Atlanta game, I felt, you know what this is? Who is ever more ready to go at noon on a Sunday? is going to win the game in all likelihood. The, whoever And Dan Riley, our old strength and conditioning coach back in the day, I once saw him on a Saturday. We were playing Carolina the next day. It was the very first Battle Red Day. I saw him on the golf course. I said, what do you think, tomorrow? Can we actually do this? Because Carolina was having a really great year. They would eventually go to the Super Bowl. They were having a great year, and we were not, right? Tony Banks was going to start. A lot of people hurt. I said, you think we can do it? He said, Mark, I've been in the league a long time. You can do it anytime you want. If everybody plays well mm. and everybody's super fired up, but the play well thing, it sounds obvious, but yeah, sometimes you play better than others. Anybody can relate to this. So if people who play golf, some days you just play better than others, right? Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't combined with your preparation and you know, how adrenalized you are, whatever the case may be, but at any given Sunday, it's the any given Sunday thing. Well, it happens with this gigantic mishmash of about 25 teams. Now I think the Texans are right in there and can rise up through that because quarterback, coaching, things they have. A lot of young players, which can go either way, right? Against Pittsburgh, you blow the doors off the Steelers. The next week, you don't follow it up with the kind of performance you're looking for. Let's see what happens Sunday. Speaking of any given Sunday, Blake Cashman, you guys, had never heard of any given Sunday. The well, movie, hmm. nor watched all right, it. so I, I, I heard not that. watching it, but also never. Yeah, Andy was beside himself. Yeah, I know, but Andy's got to <laughs> learn this. Yeah, he, right. He probably was he born in 1999, no. right? He was 90, like a toddler. Oh. Yeah, yeah. All right, so whatever. Like you're super young. Movies that came out <laughs> so when I was to born. This to do Andy. I want to date myself? <laughs> I mean, all right. So Doctor No came out a year or two before I was born. I've seen Dr. No plenty of times, though, because I'm a James Bond freak, so that's a bad example. But a lot of movies that came out in the late 50s, early 60s, I haven't seen them. Most of them are irrelevant to me, and I think that kind of applies in this case, right? Well, well yes yes and no. Like, I didn't grow up. I mean, I watched Brady Bunch in reruns. Yeah, so I did, too. So I think, like, Any Given Sunday is one of those movies that you reruns all the time. Yeah, so. but Blake's a young guy. So, all right, if you are low 20s, even movies that rerun a lot on cable, you might you're dealing with cord cutters for the last That's five, true. ten years who don't have the rewatchable effect happening. And they're not watching TNT movies with commercials, no. Shawshank Redemption running for an entire year every other day. You know, they don't see this stuff the same way that even we did or anybody who's like 30, 35 did. So I think it's a different deal. Uh, those older sports movies. I was watching Rudy. I just watched like an hour of Rudy on the plane the other day. 
I just watched the last. Hour. Look, I like Rudy. I think it's. Wow, I, I that's think, an interesting. I choice think that's actually the best football loss. movie. Oh, Rudy! Uh, yeah, I, I really do. Okay. I really, I think it's the best football movie. I, as I watch it again, I'm thinking that has all the elements you're looking for right there. It really does. But we can debate that another time. Drew, Drew, can I say what you were watching on the plane? Sure. He was watching Casino with Robert I, I, De Niro and Joe Pesci, Martin Scorsese, oh. Sharon Stone. Awesome movie. I thought he was going to say Pitch Perfect. But these Sometimes are rewatchables. Is, is a player on the plane <laughs> going to pull True up story. Casino? <laughs> is a player on the plane going to pull up Rudy? I doubt it. Now, maybe Heinish would. Heinish, I'm sure, has seen it. I would hope. Anyway. We should just guess what players are probably watching on the plane oh, that, if see, they're not is, watching film. This is not bad. This is not bad. Match like after the movie. a win. No, what we should do is we should ask the players what they're watching and then make fans guess the show or the movie to the player. This would be fantastic. I would be all in on this. That's a good segment. That's a great segment. Thank you. I just have speaking to do the of work. Casino, <laughs> speaking of casino, I pointed this out to Mark. The scene where they take James Woods out of the restaurant <laughs> and like he goes across the parking lot and they just beat him up in his convertible. Yeah. In between. <laughs> In between the restaurant and the car, mm -hmm. there's like a little kid just kind of bouncing a basketball, watching it all go down. So yeah. that's a, that was an little odd things. choice by uh, Scorsese to include that. Anyways, whatever. I like it. I'm sure it. there's a story behind it. Okay, speaking of Any Given Sunday, mm -hmm. I will get us back on track Thank you. on this show. Um, any Given Sunday, you were talking about bad teams playing well. Uh, Carolina, only winless team. Um, yeah. In the NFL, 0-5. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Saints, they played the Saints very close in week two. So if you want to look at what the Saints did, they're 3-2. and two. Mm -hmm. They won in week one against Tennessee, 16-15. to 15. Okay, talk about close games. Then week two at Carolina, they win 20-17. to 17. Yep. Week three, they lose at Green Bay, 17-18. to 18. Yeah. Okay, and then they lose to Tampa Bay, 9-26, to 26, and then win at New England. So the last two games, uh, not, obviously not close, but... Uh, the fact that they've played some of those other teams so closely, I mean, I, well, I feel like this is a team that we're still trying to figure out, like many of the teams in the NFL this early on the season, they're what just they're getting, made of. They're just getting healthier, okay, because Alvin, Alvin Kamara has played the last couple of games. That's a huge difference maker for them. Definitely. That's a good point. Yeah. But they still lost. Was he playing in the... He yeah, yeah, playing, he yeah. played against the Buccaneers, but I think that was, was the first, first one back. back, and I'm not fully prepped on them yet, but I will be. Trust me, by the time we kick off, I will be fully ready for this experience. But well, to like have Jeff, him back like is huge. Michael Thomas, they, they played the kind of game they've been looking for. I think the Patriots are a dead team, though. Now, they can rise up again because you know, they're in the building, and they, they, met, they had Monday off, and the coaches met. So this could make all the difference in the world for the Patriots. I'm just joking here. But I think the Patriots <laughs> gave a dead effort on Sunday, and the ball got it, the ball bounced their way. Now, I'm not going to say they didn't play hard. They don't have talent. They clearly have talent. And defensively, the numbers are good. They are fourth in the league in points allowed and fourth in the league in yards allowed, the Saints. Mm. Yeah, so that's better than the Falcons statistically. Now you look at the schedule, Titans, Panthers, Packers, Bucks, Patriots, as you said, there's no offensive juggernaut in that group. And the Titans in week one, you know, all right, close game, close win. For the Saints, I don't know what to make of their schedule right now, but you better be ready. This team's fully capable of beating you. If you can lose to the Falcons, you can lose to anybody. Get ready, buckle up, and there are going to be a lot of Saints fans here on Sunday as well. Yeah, you bring up the defense being fourth. They're they're clearly they're a top fifteen defense, but I wonder how much of that defense those numbers got skewed positively by the shutout that they just had. I mean. Tyron Matthew led off the game with a pick six or let off the scoring, at least with a pick six. Yeah. They scored in every single quarter. You know, they, they kind of ran away and hid. They had three takeaways total. 
I that's a good defense. So they're good against the run as well. They haven't let anybody run on them. And maybe that's just because they've gotten up and they've had to, you know, other teams have had to pass. But yeah, this defense is something to contend with. Kamara gets all the the headlines and uh, the notoriety and justifiably so. But yeah, you, you're going to have your hands full. We saw this defense cause some problems for the Texans interior line in the preseason. Now, I know it was the preseason, but that guy, Brian Brzee, he he can play. He is definitely pretty good. And you know what Cam Jordan uh, can do. He might he might one day be in the Hall of Fame. He's that good. So the close game they had with the Titans, that was opening weekend. And again, mm-hmm. you can't make too much out of this. Derrick Henry, 63 yards, 4.2 per carry. So that's not terrible, but that's not Henry-like. But he's had some un-Henry-like games this season, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. But Ryan Tannehill threw three picks in that game. How much of that is Saints defense and pressure? How much of it is Tannehill not playing well enough? We don't know. Texans have protected the ball well this year. You do that, you'll be right in this thing again in the fourth quarter, needing to make a play or two to win the game. Let's see what happens. I know this defense wants to get back on track and get some pressure up front, and I think that Derek Carr might prove to be um, a nice a nice challenge for them because he does like to throw some picks and he does get sacked a lot. <laughs> does like to? <laughs> he does I don't like know if he it. enjoys it. I don't think it. he enjoys it, but mm-hmm. it's something that just is in his repertoire. Four touchdowns, two interceptions, 15 sacks. Um, I know he was banged up, so his, you know, the numbers probably, he probably would have had, you know, more passing yards. He's got 946, and then Jameis Winston came in in relief. But, you know, I think this is a good good opportunity for the Texans' front to, you know, get some pressure up on, on Derek Carr because I know Alvin Kamara back, they're going to run the ball some, but, you know, it'd be nice to get some some turnovers and mm. actually convert them into points this Boy, week. Boy, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, I'm not so liking good. this at yeah, all. This is not good. Well, this is not helpful. To Throwing the ball to Kamara, I don't like that at all either. They got to buckle up, like I said. Let's go. D'Amico Ryans and Matt Burke, they know what, what the deal is here. You got to get pressure on Derek Carr. You got to force some quick throws. I think the fan breakdown, too, is going to be interesting. Like the Steeler game, it's good that the Texans experienced what it's like against the Steelers here because it's going to be a lot like that with the Saints. All the Saints fans in the building, just be ready for it. Be ready for the noise, possible silent count by your offense, all those dimensions. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to go around the AFC South. And uh, you know what? Maybe we've got some suggestions for Mark trolling Saints fans. Yes. That's all coming up on Texans All Access. Final segment of Texans All Access. Uh, I had to get to this before we go around the <laughs> NFL and the AFC South. Uh, Mark, uh, Saints fans, you, you mentioned lots yeah. of black and gold. Yeah. And this reminds me of a few weeks ago when there was a lot of black and yellow. And my, what I think my new favorite call, definitely of 2023, uh, was when you told everyone to get out as they yeah. were leaving the building. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Steelers fans, not the Texans mm-hmm. fans. You were telling the Steelers fans to get out. So um, Sunil, who's one of our... <laughs> <laughs> he's a legal expert he's for a us. legal expert and mark often tries to get free legal advice but instead mm-hmm. he gets other advice that has nothing to do with any legalities uh i think Sunil said that you should come up with something yeah um you know for the saints fans something kind of punchy and catchy thank you for your patronage uh <laughs> i'll think of something i think, I'll he, think I, of something. I think he suggested and the saints go marching out yeah, that think, might that might, that might make be, it. That might make it on the broadcast. Texans right? get a big enough lead Catchy. or whatever, and you see them heading for the <laughs> exits. I will say something. I can tell you that. I will say something. But thank you for the money. Thank you for spending your ticket money with the Houston Texans today. Now, we now appreciate leave. your business. Now get out. <laughs> I lo- I'm, I'm serious. Though. I loved that Texans Monday. They bounced back with it. Sports Radio 610. They bounced back with uh, your call of telling everyone to get out. That was already leaving. 
Um, all right, but with that, I'll, I won't say any more. <laughs> Mark's like, You're gonna get me. Mark's, Mark's like so nervous In that we're already talking about this uh, around the AFC South. So the Colts, obviously, we've heard Anthony Richardson uh, diagnosed with a grade three AC joint sprain. Uh, how long do we expect uh, Minchumania to last here? Because it looks like Anthony Richardson's gonna miss some time here. And coming up, they are at Jacksonville. Okay, mm. then they're at home against Cleveland. Then they've got the Saints. Then at the Panthers and at New England Patriots before they hit the bye. Not any real tough matchups, but a lot of games before they hit Cleveland the bye. Cleveland could be tough. I can't. Re- that's going to be a really well, hard. What one is for happening me. with Deshaun Watson? I don't, I don't that know. Really that, depends l- on let's get to that in a minute. But Dr. Vandermeer, knowing that <laughs> Anthony Richardson is out for a month or so, what that was a report. That's not from them, obviously. No. We'll see. He may land on IR. I don't know how Drew feels about this, but I think Gardner Minshew has an expiration date. I think that Gardner Minshew, it's only going to last so long. He's going to turn into a pumpkin at some point. They're not going to be able to play at that level. But if Zach Moss is running the ball that well, Jonathan Taylor adds on to it, gets back into Jonathan Taylor form, it might not matter as much for Minshew to have to win games for them. I'll put that in air quotes. I think I love... The, the coaches that D'Amico Ryan's and company are and and who they've who he's brought in D'Amico has Indianapolis has a really impressive bunch too. what what Shane Steichen has done this first part of the, I did not expect this I'm really really um impressed by what I've seen from them what they've done with Richardson what they've done with Minshew when he had to come in I uh as far as expiration date I don't see it I mean I believe I believe there could be one but I don't see it happening with that stretch of games that you just peeled off there, DP. I mean, those are all, every one of those winnable. is a winnable game. Texans went into Jacksonville, beat them. Jacksonville's coming back from London. I mean, that they're, those are all winnable let, games let for Indianapolis. You. And they're Indianapolis. That's This is the stupid stuff oh. they do, which is awful <laughs> luck for the Texans. I'm going to tell you this, though. The Colts have a better roster than people think. Two years yeah. ago, even last year, prior to last year, this is a Super Bowl contender. It's at least a deep playoff run contender with Matt Ryan, right? With Matt Ryan, they can do it. Look at the players on their team. I know they've had turnover since then, but they still have a lot of good players on that team. And now that you put the running game together with Moss, who I thought was a great acquisition for them, that Naheem Hines for Zach Moss deal mm. was phenomenal for them. And Richardson has played well enough when he's available. And clearly Minshew knows the Steichen system from Philadelphia. And I say Steichen in jest. It's Shane Steichen. I like you to don't say have Steichen, the too. Steichen. He should just add it in there for our sake. Just for our entertainment. But let me ask you guys this. Let's say Watson's back, fully healthy, playing the Colts. Who do you root for? This is a really oh, tough this is- one. Colts kind of easy. Colts. This Colts. is Colts. This impacts our draft. It's all about that draft pick. It's the draft care. pick, no. Mark. You cannot know. Yeah. It's the Colts. Someone's going to win. Take care I of the cannot Colts root for the Colts under any circumstances. <laughs> you can. You can and really? you will. All right. You can Absolutely and you will. Colts. I'll let you know how I feel when I get there. I hope I hope that it's DTR playing for the Browns at that point mm. and that it's Sam Ellinger playing for the Colts in that point. We'll see what happens. Okay, speaking of Watson, what is going on with him? Because they are coming off the bye. Mark and I d- discussed this briefly just in passing, but he was cleared to play medically. Yeah. And then the day of the game. Something's going on. Some It was the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he had a little conversation with Stefanski, and then he threw like twice or d- did something with his shoulder, and then Stefanski sort of stormed off the field, did not play. They said he wasn't ready. And then... Well, who said he wasn't ready? 
Uh, he, he I guess said that he wasn't was ready. that was the the t- the team statement. Like, oh, you know, he's not. He's- no, no, he's medically cleared. He, was. he felt like he couldn't go, right? So. What? Which is it? All right. So he felt like he couldn't go, but now he's he day felt to like day. He go. Now he's yeah. day to day. What? What got worse since then is what I want to know. Well, since the buy, according mm-hmm. to Tom Pelissero today, uh, Watson is dealing with a rotator cuff contusion, and now his status versus San Francisco. By the way, that's who they're playing next. Yeah, uh, they're playing San Francisco. TBD. So he didn't practice. That means nothing. Okay. And then how about this? The team practiced Monday. First yeah. the reports came out that Watson wasn't practicing. Yeah. And then then the reports came out that he was practicing inside away from the team. What What does that mean? <laughs> that is such There's so many questions. Bali. <laughs> practicing away from the team. Inside. Inside. That's not practice. That's working out. He's working out because his leg still works, so he's working out. He's keeping his uh, cardio, whatever, going. Working out his leg. He's not practicing. They said he's not throwing a ball away from the team. Quote, practiced inside and is considered. Now he's back to day to day. Who who reported that? Do you have the report? Mary Mary Kay. Oh, Mary Kay did. Yeah. All right, she should know. But I I don't know how you call that practice. I don't well, know I how you, you go. And look, you don't, you don't have to it, hide so. him from the media because just uh, warm up and then kick the media out like every other team in the league does and then let him practice without the media there or do whatever he's not doing without the media there. I, okay, so I have a serious question. Do you think that this is somehow related? This is, has to be related to his contract, what's going on. Well, how could There's, it be? I don't know, but there has to he's, be a they, reason. They have a contract. He's compensated. He's guaranteed. Play ball if you're healthy. If you're not, rehabbing, re whatever, get ready to play. But he was coming off his best game as a Cleveland Brown. Well, so. he hurt something, clearly. I mean, right? But then how was he cleared medically? I don't know. That's a great question, DP. I, I don't know the answer to that. And I don't know how this. it gets worse with the buy occurring. Well, look, we're, you follow him on Instagram because I know you follow everybody. Did he post anything (laughs) from Gucci land or anything from Bentleyville or anything that I missed over the weekend? Or is he quiet on social? There are no cryptic quote tweets or quotes or song lyrics. No, I haven't seen any. He's been pretty, pretty radio silent on Twitter. So we're just going to have to, we're just going to have to follow this story very closely. I'm very curious to see what happens against San Francisco, because if they want any chance of beating San Francisco, I mean, they've got to they've got to at least but, have but, Watson but, in there. But 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 are the 49ers who have to travel to Cleveland? Are they fat and happy after what they did to the Cowboys? No, so are they vulnerable? To I the I trust them. Be. I would be. No, no, they're happy, but they want more. They know what it takes. They've won a lot of games over the last few years. See, I think this is what I want the Texans to be. Uh-huh. Like they had back to back wins against Jacksonville and Pittsburgh. Not that the Texans were fat and happy at Atlanta, but just to know that hey, everybody's gunning for you. You're going to get everybody's best game. And you got the Falcons' best game, and they won. So what's next? All right, get ready every week. The more you win, the more they get up to play you. How did the Texans get so close against the Chiefs and the Cowboys late last year? I think those teams might have thought a thing or two about the ability of this team, and the team capitalized on it. Give the Texans credit for playing close. But this squad, you play them that close, they're scoring at the end of the game when they get first and goal like they did against the Cowboys, or they get the ball in overtime because they – Got a sack. Blake Cashman, your boy, was on the um, player show, mm-hmm. right? They got a sack. I like this group with C.J. Stroud being able to convert, score, and win. So let's just improve. And back to the 49ers, I bet they'll be ready for Cleveland. You know they're good because on NFL Network, I want to say it was this morning, they were ranking their top five favorite or best or most impressive 49ers. 
Oh, jeez. <laughs> like All a, time? <laughs> no, like right now, I think. Oh. I didn't watch it. Oh. I was just, I was walking by passing, and I thought, okay, they're definitely getting the love nationally, as mm-hmm. they should. Mm-hmm. And Brock Purdy, everyone is, you know, it's not the underdog story anymore. I mean, he's like, he's, the he's man. like a legitimate contender here. Yep. Um, he's even got a new nickname, Glock Purdy. Ooh. Oh, jeez. You know you're legit when you have a nickname. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get cash money records to be a thing, guys. Cash money records. That's what Jalen Petrie calls Blake Cashman. And I told Blake, I'm like, that should be your nickname. I might have to throw that in. See cash money records. You can also go with Cash Me Outside, like the Cash oh, Me Outside girl. Yeah. That's a pretty cash good one. Cash Me Outside girl. I wonder if he knows that or is he too young to know Oh, yeah, he knows reference. it. We did a top oh, five okay. cashes mm-hmm. rankings uh, back in the preseason. Very so. nice. I said it jokingly. Yeah, she was fifth. She was fifth. <laughs> <laughs> Cash money outside. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, from there to Texans matchup, I don't really know if there's a, a good way to transition that, but we're coming up. We've got John Harris breaking down the best from Sunday's game and looking ahead also to the next game against the Saints. But that's going to do it for Texans All Access. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, go Texans.